Cradeline Network. Borak Dogger. Oh, God. My, oh. my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 236th episode of Space Spinner 2000. A podcast for two Americans here to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're talking about 2000 AD for March 1991, Prog 720 to 723. This time, we're reaching a big milestone for 2000 AD as the prog goes full cover, and with it, we'll start a bunch of brand new thrills. Uh, where, where am I? Who are you? What is this? I mean, You're I guess the thrill minds it. now, buddy. <laughs> No escape. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 15, Indigo Prime, Killing Time, Nemesis the Warlock, Volume 3, and 2000 AD Extreme Edition 5. This sounds like a lot of violence, and uh, well, I guess I'm just in for the ride here. That's right, just buddy. Buckle up. Shoulder strap. Put on the big... Kind of dolly thing here. Okay, I'm nice and strapped in. I'm ready for a thrill ride, buddy. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Keep your hands and arms inside the train. That's right. That's right. I was just checking to see when we're done with uh, it, with a collected with, with a case files fifteen soon, but not just yet. Okay, <gasps> <laughs> let's get started with thrill one, Judge Dread. So bazooka. Yeah, not as big a deal as you'd think. Script robot Garth Ennis and John Wagner. Art robots Carlos Escara, George Coleman, Dermot Power, and Vanyo. Letter robot Tom Frame. I'm going to be honest. A hard open with a bazooka to someone. Uh, it's uh, I'm happy about this. Nice. I like a soft open where it's like all the members of the Enterprise crew playing poker or something, and then something happens at the end. Uh, anyway, uh, so kind of like a kind of like a, a grenade launcher, but uh, of cards and chips. Yeah, you know, I like I like a, a soft open that tells you, oh yeah, it's going to be a holodeck episode this time, so you know to skip it. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> Moriarty. We start off with uh, Ennis and Ascara um, doing the comic as Dredd is showing down with the head of the Hunters Club as we get to the finale of Death Aid. Dredd, as you say, dodges a bazooka shot as well as some grenades and machine gun fire, though Iggy, the robot <laughs> butler, is not so lucky. Iggy! I'm really loving Ascara's, like, kind of light work that he's doing. Like, anytime someone's shooting, there's this kind of light uh, on their face, mm. and then there's a little bit of shadow somewhere else. It's really looking great. Yeah, they're like illuminated by the mm. gunfire of their uh, of their wep, but by, by the fire of their weapons. Yeah, but do you know what's really illuminating? <laughs> mm. When he just when Dredd just shoots this dude right in the in the in the chest and oh, takes absolutely. him out. Absolutely. Um, and you know what's really great about shooting a dude in the chest? Hmm. What? When you find out he's got a secret uh, uh, tiny thermal detonator. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a nuke very similar to one we'll be seeing in the page of the Judge Dredd magazine later in the year. Um, 
But uh, so, yeah, Dredd finds the bomb. It's counting down. So they got to act fast. They fly out in an H wagon over the Black Atlantic. Techs are desperately trying to defuse it, but there's no time. So in the end, they do the only reasonable thing, which is, of course, throw it in the ocean and hope for the best. I, I'm uh, really disappointed that uh, and it shows kind of the disconnect. This is the USA, but he kicks it like a football as opposed to throwing it like a hand egg, if that mm. makes sense. That's true, or yeah, like a like a like an American football or a baseball. That's true. Mm, yeah, maybe like, Dredd was a, maybe Dredd was a punter on the a punter on the Justice Department football American ooh. football team or something. You know, it's 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 a good job if you can get it, Fox. Like if you're a good punter, you can be on that team for like forty years or something like that. I you, mean, know, you don't get hit that he, often. Clearly, he scored forty megatons. For the hey. Points. The bomb goes off and all seems well. After many years, the Hunters Club has finally been taken out and they finally realized who the real hunters are in this city. The goddamn judges. Oh, man. I So I, I love like the sunglasses on moment here, but I I was kind of hoping for devastation, if that makes sense. Nah, listen, we're so fresh off of uh, Necropolis, I think we can take a little bit of time to not destroy the city, you know? I mean, we we definitely get a lot of it in terms... Well, yeah, please. Listen, all the city you want's going to get destroyed in about a year, Fox. Don't worry about it. No, that's not what I want. I'm actually quite sad for everybody. No, no, no. Listen, I know I know what you want, Fox, and it's for a massive apocalypse level event to once again rock the entire world of Judge Dredd. Don't worry, we're going to get there, buddy, soon God. enough. I mean, I feel like if there's unemployment, there shouldn't be when you need to build a bunch of houses, but uh, as you were, please. It's true. Next up, uh, John Wagner and George Coleman take over. This is Coleman's only work in 2008 besides I, the pinup. I love his work, just FYI. And yeah, I, this is nice. I, I love the color work and also the spinning, which we'll get to. All Definitely of it's like great. That I, I love yeah. the color. I love the space that they give him. This is. It's sad that you said that this is his only work because it's really, really stark and yeah, it's fun. fun. This story is called The Driller Killer as we see some kind of future gladiator with a giant drill for a right arm show down with a robot called Deathblade. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dredd sees some kind of weird clown dude outside of a building. His mouth, speaking of Star Trek, actually has kind of a Jordy LaForge visor look. I mean, look, if you're going to have a giant kind of clown mouth with huge teeth that looks like you're constantly not smiling but not frowning, you're going to look suspicious. It's true. Yeah, he looks kind of like that uh, emoji that's like going like, you know what I'm talking about, folks. Um, <laughs> anyway, Dread goes to investigate as Driller takes a cut from Deathblade and then Dread takes out the clown, calls it all into control. Driller destroys the bot as Dread arrives on the scene and arrests everybody, but they ain't going quietly, and it's a riot! He's just gonna baton and kind of shoot everyone, and not kill them, I guess? Like, no one really dies as far as I can see, but man, nah. he's just beating the shit out of everyone. <laughs> yeah, listen, Dread, he's gonna beat everybody up, that's how it goes, you know? Uh, the best part, though, is when he deflects... Uh, driller's fucking drill hand. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Dread. Um, dr- yeah. Driller attacks. Dread. Dr- driller attacks. Dread. Dread dodges out of the way and the drill goes right into a wall, jams in the studs and plaster in there. And suddenly it's stuck so bad that instead of the drill spinning, Driller himself gets spun around. I, I really feel like it's such a um, like a technical oversight to, like, you've got to lock mm-hmm. that shit in instead of, like, let him Bugs Bunny and kick a bunch yeah. of people in the face. It really reminds me of, um, I, I, I can't send it to you, Fox, so we'll go down a rabbit hole. Mm. But have you seen this viral video of uh, this guy who tried to put a, uh, tried to put cheese into a chocolate fountain? Uh, like the fondue thing? But why wouldn't you put it into a cheese fountain? Because I don't think they have cheese fountains. I think they just have chocolate fountains. No, you, they've, they've got fondue that's for cheese. But you don't they do, it do for have chocolate. fondue for cheese, but you don't you don't use the fountain for that. Oh, anyway. Oh, oh. Anyway, no. it, just shoot it goes cheese it goes everywhere. Wrong. It goes wrong, and it's just a real insane. Um, oh, it's that's... a real it's a real insane turn up for the books, basically. <laughs> it's a wily e. coyote set of events. Driller gets spun around, and. Um, when backup finally arrives to help Dredd, they find him just sort of relaxing in the doorway of the establishment as the propeller, like, driller killer is just constantly spinning around right in front of the doorway so that nobody can escape. I mean, at some point, his arm must have dislocated, and it's just his... Oh, yeah. No, you gotta think a lot of bones. He's broken a lot of bones in this situation, but that's how it goes. I, I love that that's just, like, that's fine. Yeah. Listen, Dredd's going to arrest these guys eventually. You know, he just needs backup because there's a lot of folks in there. So we go to Looney Tunes, from Looney Tunes to, uh, like, oh my god. Yeah. So next up, uh, John Wagner and Dermot Power are going. Uh, first thrill for Power, though he's done, done a cover and some stuff in special editions. We're a year after Necropolis now, which is crazy, but I guess it makes sense in terms of uh, the, the time dilation of, uh, of Dredd, you know? Yeah, his his mood and his colors really hit kind of the tone of this because you would think it would be funny, but actually it's fucking horrible. Definitely, yeah. Um, we see a um, there's massive camps of displaced people, including Russell and Doris Koipu, and I should say fucks that a Koipu, also known as a Nutria, is an invasive rodent species. Um, that was actually in 1989 eradicated from England, so it's kind of a funny name in this situation. I feel like I've heard of a koi poo before, but yeah, I mean those Ornutria are pretty famous just as in, as invasive rodents and stuff. I remember mm. there was a show here in the states of some guy that would, like go out around towns late at night and stuff, and one night he went just with a bunch of good old boys hunting hunt. Hunting nutria for bounties from like like on the highway of uh, of uh, Louisiana or something like are, that. Are they kind of l- like they look like mice, but they have longer tails? I think they're like they look like small capybaras or something. Oh, okay. Like they're just sort of like they're they're fairly big rodents. They were like b- basically what generally happens is various places use um farmed them for fur and then they got mm. loose and because they're fairly large rodents they were just able to kind of survive and thrive wherever they go because local ecosystems aren't equipped to deal with something that's that big basically that's why you shouldn't shoot foxes 
They'll dig those holes. They'll eat those rats. I mean, they're they're so, like again, they were big enough that that a fox couldn't really handle them. I guess. Mm. Okay. Mostly, it's why you got to hire what? Why you got to like you know not um import invasive and import animals, then let them get loose. You know, they strong agree. Anyway, after anyway, they've been waiting for a long time to get their house. They start when they started. They got their initial number was like in the millions, and they're getting so they interviewed for, by like a, a newspaper, or a news crew. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, so their number came up in the housing lottery, and they got a new apartment in the Betty Davis blocks. Oh, it's so nice, but. <laughs> Sadly, their apartment's previous tenant was evicted, but didn't really know about it. So they were sadly still living in the apartment. It, this feels well. like a Ghost Hunters episode, you know? Not just them, but the bodies of all of their murder victims. <laughs> Why wouldn't they clear out the bodies for recycling? They, cl- they didn't clear them out at all. Like, basically... They went in this house. They're like, oh, it's nice. Like, oh, I guess it, it's, it's still furnished because they just like told the previous owner, the previous tenant that they're evicted. They find a bunch of dead bodies in there. And then eventually the killer himself comes home and is like, hey, what are you doing here? And this leads to a confrontation. <laughs> well, and then gasoline ensues. Yeah. Confrontation, then a hostage situation. And finally, the timely arrival of Judge Dredd, who also helped these folks when a riot broke out at the DP camp earlier. But then, and sadly, it's the whole block being burned down. Their new apartment has been destroyed. They're back God. in the camp at the bottom of the housing list. Now they're like in the four millions. But everyone and is so, still throwing rocks and hates them because they got no, selected. No, 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 no. Someone else gets selected and now they're joining the oh. joining the same mob that was angry at them for getting their house at the start of the at the start of the story. Oh. God, people in Mega City One are horrible. <laughs> I can't stress enough that every person in Mega City One is moments away from joining a violent mob and, uh, and, 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 and attacking people, 100%. So finally, John Wagner, still writing as Vanyo takes the pens for this final story. He's done a couple dreads over the years, as well as that one Mind of Wolfie Smith, where Wolfie Smith was on the, on the movie set back in the day. Oh, God. Uh, that was like half. That was like, like when he was like, I would say 75, 25. Leaning yes, towards the no, bad not, news. Not quite the most evil that we saw Wolfie Smith at, but definitely still fairly evil. This story is called Bill Bailey, Won't You Please Come Home. It's a reference to this old uh, Dixieland jazz song. Won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Uh, Won't you come home? I, that I, kind of stuff? I mean, I do not know that. And I've, I've listened to when I'm like an old country kind of dude, man. It's like pretty I, old. Like I found a, I found a version on on YouTube that was like Ella Fitzgerald singing it, and she sang it uh, in in the style of like five other like performers, and was pretty funny actually. Really? Um, like yeah. in in the same song? You mean like at, yeah, in the same song? Oh, that's yeah, she cool. Sort of, she sort Ella of Fitzgerald did the chorus and then did a couple like voices and stuff. Yeah, it was cool. But um, yeah, so this was supposed to be originally an Apocalypse War story, but they're setting it post-Necropolis instead. Mm. That's fine. Just add 20, some beards and it's, it's working. Pretty much. At 2200, <clears throat> uh, a group of armored military dudes roll out. They set up charges in a bunch of posts and bring down a huge motorway. This really feels like, like it's an, like I get that you're probably angry, but it's probably really not helping. Gotta, that's what I mean, you know, 
we'll see more about why they're doing stuff. But if it seems like they're sort of planning like various guerrilla raids and stuff. And mm. so the whole plan is the death, destru- death, destruction and disruption of this kind of stuff. Um, oh, the more Dread extreme Re- Democrat movement, I bet. Oh, I'm excited. Mm. Dread responds as dozens of cars mm. and tons of people fall to their death. Dread calls it in as he gets as he himself gets hit by a falling car and gets buried in rubble. Oh God! Well, I, I will call out just one thing, and then please, I love that yeah. there is a bubble car that crashes. <laughs> it's like it's got a bubble dome on top. Man, I love that. Definitely very hot futuristic. Rod bubble dome, very hot. <laughs> Dread digs himself out of the mess. Someone's gonna pay. The military dudes are now opening fire on survivors. Dredd shoots back, killing one of the fighters. As they escape into the night, they talk about using hit-and-run tactics, and one of them has, like, a war journal where he's talking about what, they, what, what they're going to do. And they basically just talk about striking a blow for, for Bill Bailey and Mega City One. Man, do you know what I call that? Future evidence. Mm, exactly. Meanwhile, Dredd oversees the disaster. They find this dead fighter. He's got a combat rig from Bill Bailey City Defense. Mm. They must have gone rogue, but they can't just go and check it out because the Bill Bailey block doesn't exist. Oh, God. I Conrad, I love that he doesn't just like straight out try to shoot or fuck anybody up. It's when they start shooting at him that he starts doing a, a laser, you know? I mean, Dredd... Uh, uh, Dread you're talking about? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. usually well, his know, move, Dredd- but I, I love that it's consistent, if that makes sense. Dread meets force with force, you know? Mm. Like, if you go, if you try to punch him, you, you'll probably get day sticks. But if you start I, shooting, that's when he pulls out the log. Giver, I just you know? like that that a that a, a giant truck or multiple cars and rubble burying him is not considered the same amount of force as multiple guns <laughs> firing on him. If that nah, makes sense, you know, an explosion is just part of the day, buddy. It's fair. It's real fair, man. Next time on Dread, I'll do the cooking, baby. That's just sort of one of the lines from the songs or sort of a thing. <laughs> hey, oh, Fox. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Hey, speaking of explosive revolution, buddy. <sighs> Man, there's some V-pen from uh, v of, uh, Vendetta vibes going on here, man. V for Vendetta, the first rule of V for Vendetta is you don't talk about or something? More like uh, Brigand Boom, am I right? It's really got me thinking about that one song from like right at the end of Fight Club or whatever. Like, you know, you bet me an interesting time. Oh, like you where all the credit. And you're head on the ground. And you're just that watching anyway. all the credit uh, buildings like explode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Beautiful. thrill to Brigand Doom. <laughs> Script about Do- Alan McKenzie. Sorry. No problem. Art robot Dave Danticky, letter robot Gordon Kid Robs. Let me hear this pun, buddy. Uh, Brigand to buy low, sell high. Whoa! Oh God, that what? was well, because you know, because of the. I mean, it's coming. Like, because he embezzled a bunch of cash through the. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. That that, that fell so, flat. Sorry, B buddy. Flat. I'm, but I'm, I'm no sell, and I'm feeling bad about. Oh, it's okay. okay. Redeemed. <laughs> Midnight at the city. At the mayor's <laughs> official residence, which looks like the U.S. Capitol building to me, I guess. But I mean, all domed state houses kind of look alike, uh, in my opinion. Every Sim <laughs> City game has taught me that that is where the mayor lives. Put that dome on that bitch. Anyway, <laughs> the watch shift <laughs> is changing as guards gossip about the recent nerve gas attacks. As a uh, computer receives an override command, suddenly the power goes out. And Brigand Doom is hopping the fence into the building. 
But man, these goons don't give a hoot. Like, that doesn't they, matter. They think the doubling of the guard, the shift change will help them, but it just makes them complacent as Doom starts to Assassin's Creed his way through the mansion. <laughs> he blows open a window with his shooter, and the mayor asks, what's up? He gets assurances as Doom himself appears in the shadows and just starts killing everybody. The power goes back on, and it's just Doom and the mayor alone in his office. And the brigand accuses the official of cheating on his taxes, holding a bunch of foreign currency bonds bought with municipal funds and other stuff like that. Doom wants him to liquidate his holdings and send them to the tax office. Oh, no. I mean, you're literally not false calling this Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. This this feels like a Ubisoft plot. And here's the question that I ask for you, Conrad. Is this Gorilla Man in America Assassin's Creed? Or is this post-Black Flag Assassin's Creed where everyone's trying to say something about uh, politics and economy? I don't know. I mean, ugh, listen, you're you're opening a can of worms here, buddy. All I'm saying is that I want Brigham Dune to have... Asking, Asking Conrad about Assassin's Creed plots. I, I got I got theories. I I all I want is Brigand Doom to have a Q character that is named after a, an, an historical person who kind of maybe made gadgets. Your your Leonardo da Vinci, as it were. Sure. Um but they are also psycho crazy and giving him his gas. So there could be like a double plot. Yeah. If none of that ever happens, do you know what I don't care about? That it never happened. I love Brigand Doom. It's good. <laughs> I love I mean, it I, so much. I'll, I'll generally say that your pre-Black Flag Assassin's Creed are far more politically preachy than later ones. But anyway. Um, That's fair. Look, all once, I care about is that he grabbed you get a mayor's Desmond. face and said, you you have some lies about some money and then did some crazy shit. And I love where That's it goes. Right. And I love this fucking comic. Yeah. The mayor refuses to and calls Doom a thief and a monster. And Doom ties the mayors up. He wants access to his codes and other information. And you will tell them to me. I, mean, I he guarantee will. it. I mean, he will. Yeah. The mayor is now beaten bloody, and it seems Doom has revealed his various embezzlement schemes. Um, It seems like his embezzlement scam was a moderate plan, but I guess in the country of the bland, the one idea man is king, which is an okay joke, but Doom thinks it's very funny. I mean, like, maybe if he, like, like, thumbed out one of his eyes, like, I don't get it. Mm. Like, there there needed to be a physical element to the humor if that makes sense i just think there's a lot going on with this city that we find ourselves in that we're only getting very vague looks at that i know will be explained later in the brigand doom stories which is rad but then like that falls flat. doesn't it doesn't help us a lot at this point it's very true um so uh meanwhile oh sorry blah, 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 blah. brigand doom thinks all this stuff is pretty great and then at the end just sort of grabs a shotgun and blows a hole in america time <laughs> A double-barreled shotgun full two barrels into the chest. Meanwhile, at the Department of Power, Investigator 9 is doing her makeup and orders the mayor's residence investigated because the power goes on there. She puts on pretty snappy fedora and says she'll coordinate via comlink. Yeah, definitely. She's heading somewhere to apparently catch her suspect. Fair enough, I guess. This feels like a a 
full motion video, like FOV old school CD-ROM game. <laughs> like mm. there's too much going on right now that isn't her going to this extreme situation. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, her moves here feel very stylized for sure. And like, there's a lot of, of, of stuff going on here. Um, Doom does some computer hacking over the mayor's dead body. His ill-gotten wealth will be redistributed over all of the citizens' monies as tax breaks, I guess? What a murderous Robin Hood. Well, yeah. I guess tax tax rebates. They're going to have to send in some letters to get their money back later. It's such a weird way to rob from the rich and give to the poor, to use computers to give the money to the tax office. It's weirdly idealistic, he, actually. He doesn't want to give all the money back to people who don't deserve it. You have to write into the government showing you got the rebate. Yeah, that he's using the systems of the government to redistribute this this <laughs> it's, it's so money stolen by the by the mayor. Anyway, uh, Doom sneaks out, giddily avoiding the SWAT team as they move through the mayoral grounds in force. Uh, I mean, so, around the like garbage cans, which I guess is a way that you, you know, can move around. That's the back way. Yeah, well, yeah, My you got to hide like dumpsters, buddy. dudes back there. You don't need 10 dudes near the garbage cans. You know, well, that's how you go in, I guess. But yeah, the stormtroopers report Doom <laughs> lost as he hides in plain sight wearing one of those uniforms. Luckily, the investigator has a plan as she enters an apartment, find Doom's coat and hat there. Um, she's not calling for backup, and <clears throat> seems like she says she's going to keep him to him to herself. I guess. Um, Do it's there's some weird undertones here that I'm not quite yep. picking up on, but quite clearly in the next page, it's like tones of all levels. Doom's arri- Doom arrives, removing the stormtrooper gear. He'd assume she'd be here. He wanted her to find that, to, to find him. She pulls her gun, but says she won't fire as he breaks another gas capsule. Um. He, he says she won't shoot because she upholds the law. She loves mm. the law. She loves him. And she's a sweating. <laughs> yeah, she's sweating now and shoots Doom three times. And he just says that she is him. She lunges at him as she shoots some more. Doom's body falls to the floor. She goes to check it. Check it. Pulls out another one of his capsules. She wonders at the words, you are me. As she then breaks the capsule and inhales and then smiles and in Doom's speech bubble says, and then I understood everything and smiles that same Brigand Doom massive smile. The beginning! So I love this, not just for the costumes, that's number one, like the noir-esque like the like the costumes as sort of a a larger thing, just the the noir feeling of all of it, the uh, mm. aesthetic that they have going on. Yeah, very dark and shadowy. The sure. second thing is that just the tension from the let's say the two main characters is actually palatable. Where mm. like uh, Blade Runner, the original, was completely unpalatable, right? right? Like no sorry, chemistry. Sorry. Palpable, um, I think you're uh, you're you're saying for the record. Thank you. Yeah, actually, no, you're right. Yeah, like the being able to, being able to actual... sense it as opposed to being able to stomach it. <laughs> yeah, and then the third thing I wanted to say is that she definitely just shot the dead mare a whole bunch and then inhaled some gas that turned her into a thing. So is it the gas that makes the brigand doom, mm-hmm. or is it the brigand doom that? Like, there is a person, but there's gas and, like, what the fuck ever. Like, I like that they're, they end this on a mystery because it is noir. And that, like, 
I know that we don't go into 723 with a, a Brigand Doom comic, but like, I mm-hmm. love this comic, Conrad. Well, what do you, th- so, okay, I want to, so, so I've been making some Fight Club references. What do you think about the possibility that uh, the inspector and Brigand Doom have been the same person this whole time? I I would not be necessarily. That's, that's my theory at the moment. I, I don't know how it goes fully, but that's sort I, of what I, I w- where I'm ups- thinking. I wouldn't be upset if that was true. You're sort of seeing this metamorphosis from someone who is, uh, when we first, excuse me, when when we last saw them, they are by the books, dressing this certain way, Mm -hmm. talking to people. This time, for this month, when we see them thinking about what they're dressing, they're dressing different. They are disregarding authority. They are um, setting themselves up for something. This is still a noir structure. Um, it could be that that's the twist. I would be pretty okay with that, but, uh, the, the time difference in between is never explained like, oh, it's five hours later, right? They never Mm -hmm. say that explicitly. Yeah, there's definitely no, no stated times in here or there are, but like, again, like (laughs) if they aren't sort of, there there aren't a lot of comparisons of what time it is for, um, for Brigand Doom versus what time it is for Inspector and stuff. If that were more explicit and there were some kind of breadcrumbing, like behind the scenes where we would barely see it in like some small box in the corner of the, of the comic page. See, I think there are some breadcrumbs here. Maybe there are. Like, I, I actually like that because I feel... But because, that feeds into the truth that it is a noir comic. And I like, I love that. Yeah. Because I think Please. that you see a lot of, like, like uh, Doom, like, sort of leaving hints for the inspector. I think there's the point, like, last episode where she, like, smells his coat and smells the mothballs and it feels familiar to her and the stuff. coat suddenly instead of him keeping it. Yeah. So I think like there's different elements of this stuff. Um, I forget how much this all gets played on, but I think this is a very sort of, yeah, very fun sort of mysterious kind of puzzle thrill. And I I, 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 I like the idea of those. We don't have those all a ton. So things that build to mysteries and stuff are are, are exciting. Well, I mean, it it is Mackenzie. And and even if it isn't like um, the most amazing uh, story ever written, like even if it is like a played out kind of simple plot or even if it is a like marginally complex or even if it is an actually complex plot, uh, I like it's not that I don't care. It's that like I'm invested, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm interested um, to see where it goes for sure. Definitely. Like that's what I like about Brigand Doom. I... I agree with you, and I want I want what you're saying to be true in a way. Yeah, I'm also okay with him just being a weird giant pirate man who huffs yeah. gas. <laughs> if that makes I'm up sense, for, I mean, I mean, I'm up for whatever. Like, I just think you know, this final image sort of implies mm-hmm. that there's some kind of connection between the two characters. And stuff, I hope basically. so. Like, I really do because it's fun. It's fun to read Brigham yeah. Doom. Definitely. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. Very noir. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. It's going to come back in black and white, too, actually, when Brigand Dune oh, returns in January of 1992. <sighs> you can make but me I think, excited. I think Doom, Brigand Doom, like uh, Anderson and Grimm, I think are these two stories that I believe are black and white stories that you have to put a pause on just because we're going full color and they aren't really interested right. in publishing black and white stories. But and, they keep um, it that way? For a while. I, be- I know Brigand Dune stays black and white. I, I, I believe Engram does too, but I, I'm not sure. 
I, I really do feel like Brigand Doom feels black and white, but is using it. Anyway. I agree. All right. So, but hey, speaking of things that are in, in, in fuller color, Fox. Mm. Let's talk Thrill 3 Rogue Trooper. That's right. Script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Ron Smith, letter robot Gordon Kid Robson. Last if, time, Fox. Everyone looks like they're sweating so much or that they are a glistening ham. Definitely. Yeah, last time Friday's friend Gaieth, the Gold Fox, leader of the Gold Fox Rebellion herself, died in battle. And now the Rebellion's having a memorial of her. But the real <laughs> memorial is going to be taking out that goddamn commander once and for all. I mean, I love that their memorial is a giant hologram of her with her helmet off holding the helmet. Yeah, looking real cool. To that end, they'll need to get the codes from a high-ranking officer so they can head to the base. So oh, sorry, we'll get and that real easy. Yeah, to do that, they head to a base where barracks are being built by slave laborers. And you know it's bad because they don't just call the slave pukes. They call them vomits. Oh, and, the disrespect. And you know how much they disrespect them because they don't just use a whip, Conrad. Mm. They use, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six whips on one stick? What is that? Like, that's not a cat of nine tails. No, a, cat of six tails. Yeah, they're, oh, really? Thank you. Oh, also, I mean, they're electrified. I mean, they call it a cat of nine tails because there's nine of them, buddy. That's all I know. <sighs> so they, so what you're saying is that they they couldn't uh, or, or wouldn't uh, uh, spend the additional cash for the extra three tails, but well, they maybe you did spend the extra money for the tips being electrocuted. I mean, it could just be a logistical thing, like you lose three tails when you add the electricity, you know? Oh, that's fair, right? Like, you you know, you don't get as much, like, whipping power. Yeah, but the elect, you know, the electricity takes over for the whipping and sort of works yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. So, really, it means that you get 12 lashes for the, the price of six. Also, a dude bats a man in the butt. That's anyway. right. <laughs> Suddenly a colonel shows up and the rebels go into act and the rebels go into action. Friday activates some kind of combat frisbee that instantly destroys the new barracks. <laughs> and soon the rebels are among the baddies kicking P Keeble's ass and taking out that red armored officer and taking his codes. Oh no, my codes. <laughs> Has this ever soon happened to you? Seriously, soon the rebels are back aboard their tambourine spaceship oh my headed God. for the evil base. <gasps> That's why it was a disc. It's a tambourine explosive. Mmm. But it looks like the commander can actually hear everything they're saying aboard that stolen ship. And the golden fox. Oh, I think you'll find that the my forces are quite prepared for this incursion by the gold foxes. Your friends are walking right into a trap. I'll be watching you on TV and smash you. Smash it's a drop. The rebels have arrived at the enemy citadel and are making their way past the defenses using these stolen access codes as the commander looks on. Things are going good, even as a bunch of century spheres, these floating gold <sighs> tennis, balls with like tennis a tennis balls with like circle of spikes around them. Yeah. yeah I'd like I really I hate these, Conrad. <laughs> it I, really um I I know one hundred percent there's some movie 
or TV show or there's some something where balls like this, where there's a real improbable like marsh like weapon that is of like a ball with spikes around it. It's not just like it's not um like officially like like not just like that uh, lady it, in um in Kill Bill that no, had it on no. a chain. Like that's the that's the easy one. I th- it was inspired and, by it because I. I immediately went to Master of the Flying Guillotine when I thought of yeah, it's, it's when not we that, were talking about a, it. But no, no, yeah. you're right. Because I think it's something that they throw, but it's not – it's on a chain, right? Or a rope? I feel like I've seen something where there's been a – like someone's got a ball and a chain and then they do something and blades come out the side of the ball. Because I mean, At dude, I've I, watched a fuckload of Kung Fu and I, I know I, – I have it in my head what it is. I just don't know the film. Yeah, it's not it's not the uh, that uh, death yo yo from Octopussy either. For the record, as I mentioned to you earlier, off 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 Mike Fox. But anyway, these balls they got blades on them. Ooh, it's spooky. Um, eventually, though, they manage to make it through. They're getting close to the commander as a <clears throat> as one of the commander's lackeys frets about it. So the commander guy himself just kind of yawns and hits a button that turns all the defenses back on. Jesus. <laughs> of course Soon it does, the, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Soon the spheres are cutting through these rebels as they shoot them down. Quite a few guys get lo- guys get lost and then the ray cannons arrive. Grids of lasers separate the forces as a red beam causes most of them to explode. Friday seems to be spared, sort of caught in a fence of well, yeah, lasers. He's sort of blue. Like, red yeah. doesn't hurt blue. We all know that. Damn. Green it up, buddy. Um, but no, it seems like he's being intentionally spared. That's why they've sort of Resident Evil'd him in these uh, laser grids. <laughs> they've Resident Evil him. Yeah. Like first one? Don't you remember one? those grids? Yeah, the first one. Where they got to do a fucking jumping puzzle sequence over these lasers. And there's that, that one dude just get cubed by. And that's my favorite thing. Oh, my God. No, I don't. So this is Jill Valentine. No, not Jill yeah. Valentine. This would have been... Mila Jovovich. Uh, not oh, the video game, the, the movie. movie. Yeah, the movie. Oh, yeah. No, I remember that part. That was super awesome. He got cubed as fuck. Yeah. No, there's no jumping puzzle in the first Resident Evil. You can't jump puzzle that, with tank controls, buddy. What do you mean? <laughs> Listen, buddy, I don't play video games like a loser. I watch movies based on video games like a fucking Chad. Right? God, you uh, totally win this conversation <laughs> because that's so much easier than playing Resident Evil 1. Anyway, uh, anyway, so Friday's been spared and now he's in a glass tube of emotions. Electrical <laughs> sensors shoot him like crazy. <laughs> the commanders try to condition him to work for him, but it's not working. Like, but the commander doesn't really care that much. He's happy to just let Friday die. And it seems he's done just that as Friday's vital signs like turn off, basically. They raise the tube to get his corpse. But then Friday comes alive, grabs a soldier's gun, comes up shooting. Because GIs can stop their hearts and feigned death. It's a Johnny Alpha special here. I, I love that he created a power... That that I appreciate. I miss that. Star that Lord Johnny sense. Alpha. I should mention he do, he doesn't do that in 2000 AD, but does it several times in Star Lord. Mm. That, <laughs> as we know. Yeah, no, that's why I had to mention it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the alarm goes off as the commander gets a call from his boss, the chairman. He says the GI has escaped, but I'll get him soon. And the chairman says, Next "You'd better. The, he could pose a threat to the entire Tanzanian operation." Mm. Yeah, foreshadowing. Suddenly the commander hears a voice. It's Friday. He's there for his 
stuff, like his helmet and his gun, etc. <laughs> like, and just give maybe, him his stuff? Yeah, and maybe he'll settle the commander's hash while he's here. But the commander's fast. He hits a button, and suddenly oh, his, God. like, tank legs transfer into a full force field tank. He's 100% Smash TV now. Oh, it's so... Conrad. And I should say, we, it we've grows been making in jokes size, about like Rita Repulsa through uh, oh, her yeah. stick, and it's like make my monster grow, and it's just a, it's a lot of tubes and holes. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Ron Smith has just drawn a massive technology here. I, I should say we've been making jokes, but Smash TV has been out for a year now, so it could actually be an influence as opposed to well, just our. our and, well, and to be honest, saying. like if if you don't know what we're talking about, I very much suggest finding a way to watch or play it. I mean, if you look up Smash TV it, or Smash TV fun. Boss, especially, you'll see just that you know. The first boss in the game, Smash TV, is just a torso on a tank, a giant, like, human torso on some tank treads, basically. It is the most memorable boss in my Definitely. Mind. Yeah, because, you know, usually it kills you and then you're stuck. Like, whatever, I hate Smash TV. Um, <laughs> the Smash TV force field is too much for Friday's weapons when suddenly it shorts out because there's the tracker ship. Oh, and God. That, like, that tambourine comes flying in. Oh, shit, it's Gaia. She's alive. Why? 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 Because she's got to save the day. She rolls in on a sweet hover go kart, uses a big old gun to take out the <laughs> oh commander's shield as Friday wades in with the Buddhas. Oh um, my god! <laughs> the commander gets tossed out of his machine shell, gets flipped upside down, and lands head first, which is tough. But buys us <sighs> time for Gaia to give some give some backstory. We saw her die. Nah, dog. She had a molecular dissembler in her suit it doesn't matter it really it doesn't her, matter let her phase through the floor like shadow <sighs> cat from the x-men i guess i mean but so she escaped from the explosion but had to dig herself out from the debris like judge dread earlier this episode um and when she did that she then snagged a super gun from that big robot that we saw earlier in the story and the rest is history I really wish that they killed him by, like, each one grabbing either of his arms and stretching him out, like, stretch arms uh, strong until he busted. I like, I like how they kill him here, because while they're <clears throat> connecting these dots, the commander speaks up, or sneaks up, I should say. He grabs Gaia's molecular dissembler and tries to phase through the floor and escape. But Friday grabs it as he goes, and so instead he becomes solid in the middle of the floor and just sort of explodes in a bloody oh, death, which is pretty I, I awesome. For, I forgot that they ended on his face just bleeding yeah. from his eyes big, and nostrils and big mouth. Big close-up of his face just spout, just spurting out blood I, because um, they've taken the dissembler thing. It's they're, really, they're really taking the, the uh, color to the next level on this one. They want to make Ron it Smith. explicit. No, he's having fun with all this blood and stuff. It's pretty solid. Like anyway, it. all over here, but there's still plenty of war zones that they need to deal with. And Are maybe, there? yeah, world, world's covered in war, buddy. And hey, maybe uh, Friday and Gaia could bone along the way or something. I don't know. We'll find out. The end. <laughs> and Friday and Gaia will return in the Sierra, in the Sahara Ice Belt War in Prague 730. So not too so long from it, now. Because it's an ice belt because the Sahara on, on the planet Earth is a desert. So Yeah, it was. But now we're getting different. <sighs> I It's fine. It, you know, honestly, like, it, it's not even my biggest 
problem, but I'll give you my smallest peeve. Is mm. uh, it, so you got this this lady named Gaia, who's obviously yeah. kind of the like when we last left Friday, she was kind mm-hmm. of this symbol of escape, right? I yeah. love I loved that idea that someone could get out even if they were from the other side. Um, someone not naming names brought her back and like made her just like a a thing basically and then instead of just taking the name Gaia and being like uh the earth mother or or something that that kind of would have tied into her name they called her the golden fox uh yeah killed her and that well it's just I'm I'm just saying like there are no stakes if that makes sense like they took one stake away and then brought it back and then killed it and then brought it back like what yeah what why does any of this matter I mean, I think it's very much a sort of Friday and and guy like you know Friday's first thing was kind of like he fin he he got revenge on Clavel and mm. now he's sort of stuck on Earth and so kind of his idea is that he kind of is this super soldier who's outside <laughs> the normal collection so he can sort of try to bring you know do the rogue trooper wander the Earth kind of thing travel to war zones and try to you know take out oppressors and help people basically. And Gaia okay. was someone who he helped in the course of the War Machine story, and now they've teamed up again because, like, she's a lady, which is always nice. And um, honestly, I'm in favor of it just because it gives it gives Friday someone <laughs> to talk to, because I think that's a very important yeah. part of just sort I mean, of I, that. Like, that I don't disagree with, right? Like partners yeah. are good. And I think road. something that I know I've, I've complained about in Friday is that is that without a partner, it's very much just his internal monologue, and I'm not as big a fan of that as as dialogue. I guess. I mean, then why blow up Helmet only to have Helmet come back? Is I guess my point. What do you what? Because what do you mean? None well, of the... if, if she's if she's just someone to talk to, right? Yeah, or, or at least someone well, you, to travel you, with. You kill her. You kill her in the middle of the story to add some add some pathos and stuff okay. like that. I mean that that's pretty standard. I don't think like Maybe I don't I'm think being you should... too critical. Like, like, like I don't. I might yeah. be being too critical. I mean, this is the this is the second story we've had. You know, they, they mm-hmm. didn't try to kill her the first time. They just sort of parted as friends. And so I, I think that's you fair. know. In this initial story, like, if they kill her every story and then she comes back, then that's then ridiculous. A, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. But no, 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 um, I, I think... I, I, I dig what you're putting down, man. I, I, I might be doing, de- being too know. critical and, like, I, I'm generally critical of Rogue. So, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna ease off on that. I'm, I'm going mean, to you know. let it breathe because you know what it's not? Yep. It's not Harlem Heroes. I, I agree. I well, well, listen. Counterpoint. I don't want to defend Friday too much. All right. This is not sure. great. And and this is a pretty standard, like, yeah, no, she died, then she came back. We This is the standard thing. Um, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to be – I'm just trying to give Friday a fair shake. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things to be annoyed by with this character. And so I think their attempts to sort of take things in a slightly different direction is fine. But I don't think this is going to be the long-term plan for this character, well, I guess. I, I don't think that's unfair. Right, like it, it, like I, like I was saying, it's not, it's not Harlem Heroes, you know, and and maybe I'm just kind of off the cuff, uh, responsive, like ah, it's gonna be bad. So you know, maybe it's okay. Like the art's great, mm. like it's it's interesting enough. I'm sad that that goop goop float man died, but he died pretty rad, you know. And they've Doctor Claude a, a larger um, edifice for to be fighting against oh, and stuff sure. like that. So that's fine. And speaking of larger edifices, Fox. Oh God! <laughs> oh Jesus! Three hundred four Indigo Prime. 
Oh, thank God. <laughs> Script robot John Smith, art robot Mike Hadley, lettering robot Alita Fell. Oh, and we uh, back, and we back, and we back, and we back. Yeah, I think this is the first time the prog for Alita Fell is going to come in and do some extra lettering here. Oh, boy. So, Fox. <laughs> Man. <laughs> okay. Letterboxes. Ahoy. Yeah. Al Mandra from that fervent Loeb story from Loeb story from 80 progs or so is back again. From she's, hell, right? Uh, yeah. She's sort of escaping from some situation, a sweet hover car, but then she gets tossed from it. She has a monologue about she's always been unlucky. Most fat people are, it seems. She's falls breaking the, her landing with the body of a demon, and then enters through a gateway into the multiverse. There are parts she, of this that I'm really not so cool with. Like, yeah, she's, you know, she's like, look, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. It's, hey, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't appreciate that this negative self-talk, Elmandra, you're fine. Come on. She plinks <laughs> into the middle of a space battle where she's grabbed by the mechanical arm of a ship and dropped into a holding cell. The soldiers on the ship go to question her and are shocked to find that she's the Empress Langrissa, or at least the spitting image of her. <laughs> Offered the <laughs> a chance of the, of the wealth and power of a galactic empire, there's no reason not to assume that identity when offered. I, I like how she starts kind of like, oh, I'm not this. And then they, they kind of get a little bit more in depth. And she's like, I, eh, but, 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 I, did I, uh, I didn't I mean, say if that. they're offering, yeah, you'd be a fool to say no. Um, I, I love it. Also, I love that the Empress has a like a, 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 a crew top or like, what is it? A top crew? What is it called? Like where it's like high up but cut flat. Flat top. Thank you. Flat top. Flat top crew, high top fade. That's my move. Mm -hmm. um, she's brought to her fancy palace and introduced to a, her harem of stud husbands. <laughs> she uses her new royal powers to introduce a, yeah, a mix of social programs and also weird chintzy stuff. But things are going pretty well until at least there's an explosion and the real Empress Langrissa... Langrisha appears, and that's not good at all. And also appears with, like, a super sweet, like, I, I don't know, like, torn arms, uh, like, cape, basically? Yeah, no, she, yeah, she's, she's a battle, a, a battle damage, um, empress, you know? Ooh, sort of been, I like that. Her battle stuff's been, damage. been, yeah, it's been messed up, but in a way that looks very cool, you know, and cinematic mm -hmm. and stuff, you know? It's like when, when, when you you got kind of a ragged cape that flies real, real smooth. Yeah, man. Um, it's not. It's not like going to a a store and buying something kind of like acid washed and like open knees. Nah, man. No, this this chick's been punching way. people yeah. so hard that her her whole of uh, both of her sleeves fell off. Exactly. Our manager's been in space prison for about three days, but now it's time for execution, as you do. There's only well. one punishment for her crimes, and that's to be thrown to the spleen eater, Benji. I, I mean, only it only eats the spleen, right? I think it like, prefers the spleen the most, but it'll eat all, yeah. It's got a lot of teeth for something that prefers the spleen. That's all I. I, I, I just. I, what it can't. It can't have preferences. Well, no, I think it should have preferences. I just, you know, if you if all you want is a spleen, I don't know if you need like a listen a gaping maw. That's all. Listen, as the chicken community knows, I've eaten a lot of chickens, but I prefer <laughs> the drumsticks. But does that mean oh, that really? I'm I a only, thigh man. 
I'm just saying, do I only eat the drumstick and then throw the rest away? No, I eat the whole thing, buddy. Come on. Man, I eat all that drumstick. I eat around the bone. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Omandra is tough, man. She'll fight you. She (laughs) grabs her shoes and uses them to shadow of the Colossus her way up the side of the monster. Oh, wow. Then uses her magical abilities to channel the angry spirits of the afterlife that inhabit this arena and uses them to destroy the be- and just to destroy Benji once and for all. I, I love and- that all the spirits are super nude, but it yeah. all uh, like a bunch of debris or ghost debris covers their, uh, you know, tasteful, yeah, yeah taste, tasteful debris. We'll put it that At way. At the same time, an alien fleet arrives for retribution. The spirits of the, of the arena thank Almandra for her help and open a reality gateway for her. She walks through and appears in the sky over a city. She falls through five or six roof awnings and eventually, as they break their fall, find the locals there praising her as well. As she looks to see, she's in the courtyard of the church of the one true virgin and it's shaped just like her. Whoa! If she had crushed Aladdin at the last moment and then got a pet monkey, I would have been very proud. But I think this was see, that's- before. Yeah, yeah, we hit the timeline there. I don't. Th- I, I, I think Aladdin's still a year or two away I, in early ninety one. I will 91. say, however, there is a giant uh, thing that she's going to enter in the middle of a, you know, whatever. I, you know, just say uh, it's interesting. Yeah, enjoying this one, but that's it. The end. Woo! <sighs> you know what I like about this one? I could follow the story. Yeah, if no, that makes sense. yeah, definitely. Definitely of the John Smith Indigo Prime things we've seen, this one is the most, while it's got a lot of weird concepts, it's very much the most, um, like, just a plain old story here. Like, there's reality jumping and Mm. stuff, but it's pretty much explaining what's going on and how things are happening. And I think that that's really, like, when this comes together, this is the best version of these stories that we've seen, you know? Yeah, this this feels like, um, why am I forgetting name, her name, the the many-armed... Um, uh, Mave of the Many Arms. Yeah, Mave. This this feels a little bit more like that, where there's actually mm. a, not not because it's a a lady, but just that like it's this interesting character that was introduced, like mm-hmm. kind of on the side, uh, and ends up being more interesting because she's just like the crucifix weapon from the end of Hexen for the cleric. <laughs> she can just shoot ghosts at everybody. <laughs> Okay, thank you for that, Claire. That's you. You've hit one of the few references I don't get, buddy. So I appreciate that. The clericification. Woo! I'm nailing it right now, baby. And hey, speaking of ghosts and shit, Fox, <laughs> demons and whatnots. Three hundred five armored Gideon. Oof. Script about John Tomlinson. Art robot Simon Jacob. Lettering about Tom Frame. Melvin Timms, apparent supernatural changeling, awakes with a start. He's been out of sorts since Myrtle left, and things are getting worse because he's been found by Armored Gideon. Annihilate. <laughs> so, uh, weird question. Just as we yeah. pre- as we start this, it, it, it's going to be different characters each time, maybe. Nope. This is just a little one-off. We've had Ooh. these in specials and stuff like this, but um, generally it. Armored Gideon, like like full Armored Gideon stories continue to feature Frank White, uh, uh, White's and sort of okay, follow his cool. story, basically. Cool, cool, cool. A robot hand grabs him, but Melvin runs, making uh, making it to his satanic inner sanctum, <laughs> and then he, start, he recaps the basic facts about Gideon. Does some tarot for help, but just finds that all the cards he deals are like Gideon and death cards, basically. 
I that, truly love that that he runs into an inner satanic sanctum. That was my favorite part. Yeah. Still in his pajamas, he runs away past a giant pile of dirty dishes. And then we recap. <laughs> and this recap, I think, is funny, but it's also hard to explain just because a lot of it's in the writing. Yeah. Because he basically – Melvin talks about his life. He grew up in Ditchfield. And then a lot of – like he basically talks about – he sort of does it in a way where you're used to someone saying, like, I was born – in a house that was haunted with a history of murders on an Indian burial ground. But in this case, it's all negatives of that. Like he was born in a house that wasn't haunted <laughs> without a history of gre- gruesome right. murders, nowhere near an Indian burial ground. And he was trying to double Satan it uh, in a way. Yeah, he's got a he's got an almost preternaturally mundane and normal life and so tries to get weird and that's a problem, you know. Like, he tries to be reborn as an undead monster, but instead he gets found out immediately and sent to a mental institution to help with his problems. Stuff like that. I mean, listen, a holy robot, or at least a robot that shoots holy, uh, yeah, water, holy water, is going to yeah. come after you. Nah, he. That's where he met Myrtle, who's a nice, who's a oh, nice right, nurse. Right. They f- fell in love, got married, and then eventually he joined the Tabernacle of the Red Dawn, who were kind of the bad guys from the first, or the, the guys that the kind of best summoned bad guys. The accidental summoning. Yeah, they summoned Armor Jerubal um, last time. Um, after not turning into a werewolf, uh, after being bitten by a small dog, but but after actually melting all the silver in the house to turn into silver bullets. <laughs> Myrtle left him, and he was left alone with the washing up, which he never likes to do. And it looks as though the washing up itself has now been possessed by an evil demon. Oh, oh, God, I forgot about the cups being like the, the spine of the monster and the... That's good. Big dish good. monster. It menaces Melvin until Gideon shows up, punches the dishes, and takes them back to the edge. How will he explain this to the tabernacle? That Gideon was there, but it was just there for his dirty dishes, not for him. Oh, geez. The I, end. I mean, I feel like that's cred. That's cred right there. I mean, I yeah, guess. Yeah, maybe. You, well, so it's like you could just say that, right? Like you could just say yeah. like, oh, like this happened. But he can literally take them to his house where like a robot punched a hole through his. Yeah, he's got to figure out how to spin things. this. That's the problem, basically. Yep. You know, um, that's if you're going to get higher up in the tabernacle, you're going to have to knackle your. Yeah. Tab tabber. that knackle, obviously. Knackle that tab. <sighs> my business anyway. acumen is, is, is my lowest stat. Sad. Um, yeah. Armored Gideon will return in 1993. <laughs> Jesus, really? That's so yeah. far from now. It's true. You know, I I think it's fun, but it's definitely not a uh, not a not a massive one. Or like I don't know. I, I think at this point, actually, they they've just got a ton of different stories coming down, so it's hard to find uh, space gotcha. for all of them. Because I I was really hoping for a little bit of like backstory on them. Like I would love it if just like some crazy ass monk made this weird ass robot i mean we know from last time that gideon and jerubal were both created by these kind of ancient ones and stuff like that Uh, yeah but that ancient had a decent amount actually marks you know yeah we can learn some we could do to learn some more about them for sure maybe we will i don't know i i forget a lot of uh, the armored gideon stuff so we'll see how it goes i'm stoked i like big robot doing punch on demons Absolutely. Yeah. And that takes us to non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. 
man, not not bad ones this month. I mean, there's stuff going on, but yeah, Prog 720, Illegal Aid, Dread Goes Clubbing, and this cover of Bioscara <laughs> of Dread showing down at the Hunters Club. In the Nerve Center, everyone's recovering from the big 14th anniversary bash. Igdroid mentions a couple of 2000 AD-related characters have been mentioned in an article about women in comics. Mm. Characters, I guess. The input page has a picture of Judge Roger Moore and pics of uh, judges of all the mega cities, one, two in Texas, American Justice. <laughs> Letters suggest, hey, Oofa. Dred's okay, but maybe you could use a cleaning lady and a, and a Wobot of some kind. No, wrong. Maybe Dismissed. a cat? There's a quote from Joseph Conrad and a lot of compliments for the Judge Anderson cover of Prague 713. Mm. And I should say that since we talked about that one, I've learned from our Wooly that uh, that cover is actually based on a contemporaneous image from a uh, porno mag for shame, McAustin. I mean, you know, vintage. It's vintage now. It's not porn anymore. It's still porn. Mm. I keep telling you, Fox, your old porn is still porn, all right? <laughs> oh, wonderful. Doesn't become less porn just because of the passage of time. Well, it just uh, it just further shows that uh, my hipster cred is intact because I uh, you know I can call it porn and no one can argue with me and I uh, looked at it before anyone else so I'm cool now. Thank you. Fair. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the prog ends with a future graph by Stuart Harrison of Special Agent Tharg investigating the Twin Peaks combo. Yeah, I was or condo. Say, I, I was alongside say, Judge I love Truman. The donut. Yeah, he's got pie, tape recorder in hand. In March 1990, <clears throat> right um, in the middle of, uh, of, of Twin Peaks Season 2, um, at this yeah, where, point, where they were returned for the, for yeah, the rest it, of it. In the UK, yeah. They, or I don't know what's out in the UK, but I know in America, they, ju- they were just starting the big Season 2 arc <laughs> of like the Miss Twin Peaks pageant and stuff like that. So the, the at least from what I remember is that like uh, ousted for the first half and everyone was kind of not digging it, and they brought him back for the second, um, which is why it kind of landed, but then it petered out. It's either that or the reverse. I am not good with memory. The one thing I will say yeah. is I, I love that they, uh, I mean, is that an Anderson log lady? But regardless, log lady, I yeah. love it. Some lo- yeah, g- yeah, a b- bunch of cameos here. They got the log lady. That They even <laughs> have the uh, ha- have the short dude or whatever. You know, Swap talks backwards. Oh, from the Red and Room, also, yeah. what. Yeah, I also like that the uh, Twin Peaks blocks have these pine trees on them, which give it oh, sort yeah. of a uh, Pacific Northwest <clears throat> kind of feel and stuff like that. Yeah, the the Great Northern uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Man, this exactly. Is cool. Yeah, good. Seven twenty one. Ron Smith just Friday running through some baddies in battle. He is the war. <laughs> God, it's so like there's so much detail here that I love. See, this is like the kind of like Friday slash Road Trooper. Kind of, yeah. The inspirational well, I mean, kind of like war kind of feeling to it, if that makes sense. I mean, it's a very Ron Smith image because it just because of the <clears> detail <throat> and stuff. That's what I always love about mm. him. Um, in the nerves, uh, most of the nerve center this time is taken over by letters from soldiers um, who are taking part in the Gulf War here. Respond, you know, the one uh, your 1991 Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, responding to Iraq's invasion of Kuwait, which mm. is. Uh, Operation Desert Storm is just wrapping up in late February. I, I, I should didn't mention. read these as the, like for real. Yeah, it seems. Uh, yeah, they <clears> sort <throat> of talk about how they're be, they've been deployed to the Gulf and are reading 2000 AD to kind of like you know ease some of the difficulty of being fucking war boys. You know, holy shit. Um, 
And it seems Tharg's sending a, a, a care packages of thrill power to the boys in the sand, telling them to be careful out there. Hey, I hope all of I hope all those boys came back, man. Yeah, and, and shout outs to uh to I, I believe I think uh, a lot of the veterans. English veterans who listen to this podcast probably took part in these operations. So big shout outs, you know. Um, there's also a picture of Bob Geldof in a Death Aid shirt, which is pretty funny because he's the big um, Live Aid guy. Mid-Prog, there's a mixed column by Rockzilla featuring a ton of bands I haven't heard of. And then <sighs> an input, there's pictures of a very continental Euro judge with a, duty, with a duty-free badge oh. and, a boot, and boot wine. Boot wine. What what is boot wine? Well, it's like a boot knife, but it's wine. Uh oh. Thought there might have been like a double. All right. Mm-mm. There's a serial like Judge Kellogg. Gin. Sorry. And um and Judge Gaza, who's Judge Paul Gascoigne, the uh, soccer player currently leading Tottenham to the FA Cup final. As this is being uh, released. Okay, Conrad, you're incorrect. He is. One of the first bosses uh, from Bloodborne. Two things. Two jobs. Um, letters are enjoying the new year of Thrill Power. There's a bunch of uh, – and there's a joke letter with a bunch of Euro legalese regarding the design of the Euro judge. Those dang Euros. Let's exit right now. The prog ends oh, wow. with a pinup by Stuart Harrison of a no-good kid putting on his VR goggles and meeting a virtual Tharg, <sighs> which we all wish we could do to this day. Uh, he's – his yeah this this feels about right for for virtual reality right now yeah it does have a very 2020 vr feel to it i must say the one thing that i'm gonna really appreciate about this piece the detail in the mouth is that there is so many strings of saliva yeah he's having a good time eating tharg it is the most so for me it's that like any time that you have a still image with a bunch of saliva in someone's mouth it is super gross yeah uh i love this image it's good (laughs) i like his power glove more than anything else that's plugged into so bad buddy um what i looks like is floppy disk port but it's a bunch of hdmi cables future forward hey who knows um Prog 722, we're still in the Gulf War spirit because we've got a special desert camo version of 2000 AD, low visibility, designed by Steve Cook. This feels like the lowest effort that the carver we've ever I had. Mean, also that they put green on it, which, I mean, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I uh, at this point, though, Fox, I should say that the scans <clears throat> we have don't, um, don't have nerve centers or inputs or ads or anything else. So this part might be getting sparse for the next um, episode or two. Um, I didn't which even takes us that. Yep, nothing. Which takes us to 723. It's a jumping on prog as 2008 he goes full color to compete with Toxic, as I mentioned last episode. I, I really the, love the Tao Demoto art. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the cover here is a montage of new characters. We got art by Carl Critchlow, Dave Hine, D- Dave Oyne, uh Jose Casanovas, and Jim McCarthy. Later, this is, oh sorry, and I should say this issue came with the poster prog, something we haven't had actually since way back in the seventies, when there was a Dan oh, Dare poster so prog, if you remember. Wow, well, because well, we would get cutouts like ones that you could kind of assemble into one, right? Yeah, we've had like sort of things where each individual but issue not like would a have full. like a piece of a poster, but this one actually came as the first of three. To come with an actual poster prog, which is basically just like one big poster that's been folded down to like magazine size, basically. And so what this one had, this <clears> first <throat> one had um, 
basically a colorized version of the first appearance of, of Judge Dredd from Prague 2. Mm-hmm. And then a little one-page history and background of 2000 AD. And then the other side was just a big old poster of Dredd, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is actually this is kind of a common thing in UK comics is sort of as an extra. Yeah, I think a lot of current, like kind of grabbing like, some new people. To get a free yeah, cut. just sort of here's a thing and something that fans can put in their walls. I think Kerrang had a bunch of these of various bands and stuff. But you, um, you can cut this out, but I do have a question about the front cover. Oh, um, no, this was a whole oh. separate thing, oh, right, actually. Right, right. Fuck. Sorry. Oh, because um, they were – it was the uh, – anyway, please. Yeah, this was – sorry. The uh, I, 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 I didn't send it to you in our, re- in our reading, but the poster mag was basically a separate – like magazine that was sort of attached to this issue, basically, it was sort of a free oh, gift kind of thing. Like in in the packet, as it were. Yeah, like I think at this point you'd buy the 2000 AD and it'd be in like a sleeve, basically. They, like, and so you'd have the they prog. They had a massive laminate poster. I don't think. Yeah, I think. It, I I I think it might have been just glossy, but not actually laminated. Well, but yeah, but it's not like a tear out like the other ones were. No, no, this is all separate uh, document. Well, they spent extra tr- for, for <laughs> yeah. They're trying. They're they're trying to attract new readers and not have people read read this toxic comics. Part of a big relaunch and stuff. For you know, seven twenty three, sure. they didn't do that for like you know seven hundred or something like. Well, I mean, I think tw- like you know seven like seven hundreds a quarter of a y- is a half oh, a year. Yeah, yeah. that's from true. Prague seven twenty three. They didn't even know about this toxic thing that they're very worried about. So mm. this is very much that. So it's really like, competition kind of based in a way. Yeah, I mean, I I tried to sort of talk about this last time, but yeah, they're very worried about this toxic comic. It's got a lot of the same creators from two thousand AD and stuff, and it's full color, and so. They're mm-hmm. really going all out to respond to it by having some cool free stuff that comes with the comic and also, again, the the whole prog going full color, basically. It's kind of cool. Clearly, they should have worried about it and still to this day, they have been battling it this whole time. I mean, you know, Toxic doesn't last that long, but it is, you know, competition spurs innovation, but I it's mean, the Attitude Era. Was it, was it the poster? We'll never know. But it probably mm. was. Yeah, but so this thing has a very uh, a cover with of uh, with a picture of Dread by Cliff Robinson, and then the cool. inside is a giant red and black uh, Dread poster by Mick Austin. And shout out to uh, Roland Ungood Thomas for helping me identify the can uh, the you, art. Can you shoot that, that to me later, just so I can. Yeah, take yeah, it yeah. Cool. Well, I'll, say, uh, I'll consider side, two. side question um, for Big Spartan. Uh, so, Kane. Yeah, Michael Kane. Penis. And like literally all of Bix Barton is hypersexual. <laughs> like it, it after reading it, like I had gone back to this and it it's like it's kind of a lot. And that might be well, me reading into it, and I think it is. But No, I mean I think I think a lot of it's there. I think a lot like most of it is because of the actual um like well, let's let let me get to the Please. goddamn sorry, thrill sorry, first, sorry. Fox. If you don't mind, we got a format oh, no, of here. Course. Of course, <laughs> thrill six, Bix Barton. Script robot Peter Bilgin, art robot Jim McCarthy, lettering robot Gordon Robson. So yeah, um, I mean, I would say a lot of this is it's playing off a couple things. I think one of it is that I think a lot of these upper crush, upper crust British types are sort of stereotypically very sexless, I guess I'd say like sort of very, very prudish and stuff. Uh, Almost, Um, almost inhuman 
in a way, right? Yeah, or like alternately, like just avoiding going into that stuff to hide their actually extremely uh, uh, devious and uh, deviant and and degenerate nature that they have behind mm. closed doors, basically. Um, and but also, I'd say part of the central joke that we're going to get into with this comic is about um, the Carry On movies, which I'd like to talk to you about shortly. But first, I want to set the sure. stage a little bit, please. So we see an older man dressed in a fox costume running through the countryside, falls into a stream as a dude in one of those red English hunting jackets on a horse follows after him. It's a proper carry-on, this tally-ho lark, isn't it? And the hunter is Sid James from the carry-on movies. Fox, have you ever heard of the carry-on movies? I have no idea what that means. See, I just learned about this from a uh, from a two, from a 2008 special from like last year, for from '89, uh, I guess. Mm-hmm. Basically, there are these. There's a long-running film series in England called Carry On, and the way the movies are written is it's like Carry On camping, Carry On whatever else. That's Sorry, kind of like um, uh, uh, what is it like Christmas Vacation, etc. Right, like yes, National very, Lampoons in a way. Very similar to the various comedy things, like um, yeah, like like National like Na- National Lampoon movies or like Police Academy movies. Yeah, like I Carry On Nurse, Academy. Carry On Teacher, Carry On Constable. They're these sort of like you know raunchy, lowbrow um, kind of movies, basically. I mean. Um, there's like 30 of them. Cat- Caddyshack is what I was, uh, you know, brought up on, baby. Yeah, exactly. But but what they've done is that, or what's kind of interesting <laughs> about these is that all these movies, uh, yeah, they they the first one was in 1958 and the last one was in 1992. Although 1978 sort of the last like one, and then there's a big gap. But um, basically, they, yeah, there's like. There's like tw- there's like thirty of these movies, and they all have pretty much the same cast over the years. Oh, interesting. So it's sort of the same actors in different situations, often as different characters and stuff, and just kind of like getting into kind of raunchy, like silly situations and stuff like that. A lot of like I don't know if you've seen Benny Hill, but it really kind of reminds me of that. Where there's a lot of things where like the punchline is that oh there's a naked lady in here or something like that you know <laughs> i i am i am aware of benny hill let's put it that way yeah fair enough but yeah but i mean it's very much of the same kind of thing these sort of like again kind of lowbrow mm. british things all, so, all, so bringing all, bring the high low as it were yeah I, I yeah exactly where there's sort of yeah a bunch of de- definitely these like the like part of the movie would be you know showing up some upper crust types and things like that as well mm. um but so, yeah, so they've had this sort of like – and it's one of these things where I think if you're an English kid, then you kind of know the carry-on movies because they're sort of like, you know, in constant rotation in like the middle of the day on like network TV or something like that. You awesome. Know? They're very much a um, a fixture of British culture that doesn't isn't really very well known outside of England because it's not kind of classy enough to be imported. Basically, <laughs> we've got our own lowbrow stuff. I mean, I, I know we'll so see, many people we'll who don't know what unsolved mysteries are until it went to Netflix. If that yeah. makes sense, that would be like. I could definitely see, like, they, they probably couldn't do it just because I think so many other people, it's so built around this cast and so many of oh, them sure, have died. Of but I could see, 
like somebody like I could see somebody pitching like I will bring back carry on for the next for this new generation well, or I mean, something like, you've like seen that. Like a mighty wind, right? Like the the yeah, I mean, company yeah, like that is, whole cast that is, did a bunch of movies only with them, right? But in a shorter time yeah. frame than this sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it is very similar, like also very similar to those, um, like Christopher Guest, um, movies where, oh, yeah, um, where, um, all, where, yeah, where all of the, where he has the same sort of actors play multi, you know, play mm. different characters in different movies, like A Mighty Wind and Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show or yeah, something Best like that. Yeah, Best in Show, that's the, yeah, nailed it. That's the dog one. Yeah, but so okay, but so but so basically, what I'm trying to say, Fox. All right, is that if you're in, if you're like British, then when you see that this hunter guy saying that it's a proper carry on and stuff, and you get this big caricature of him at the end, you're instantly like, oh, geez, like look at like this is a character, this is an actor I'm very familiar with, and know that we're it's, you know something's really happening here, basically. Got it. Okay. You gonna know, be like horny, like, gonna be crass. Yeah, it's like if like Bill Murray shows up in some I'm trying to think of a similar situation, but like we're sort of like, whoa, like that guy, okay, like I know basically what I'm in for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the hunter Sid James, and he's accompanied by folks who look like other carry-on characters, uh Charles Hawtrey and Joan <laughs> Sims, and this Fox guy. Um, thinking you can get away as these comedians sort of banter among themselves, instead get caught up when Sim's bra explodes and catches him and, you know, trips him up and then the dogs are upon him. He gets eaten. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> Later, Bix Barton, master of the rum and uncanny, has <laughs> taken a rugby lob from his cane, Michael Kane. And wearing an ascot while he plays, it's just... Only way. You know, that's what you do it in Eaton, I'm, I'm led to understand. Um... But he's taken a lob as a government chap explains the situation to him. The dead man in the fox suit was a member of parliament, and he's what? died most irrationally. <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome. I, I Anyway, happens to all Brett, of us. Yeah, Brett takes the case and investigates the body, and it seems like it's more than just standard conservative MP weirdness related to his death. Ah, the MP, Sir Douglas Bent Major, who might, yeah, might be a reference to... John Major, whatever. Anyway, um, was investigated or was part of an investigation into a secret society and was about to reveal his findings to the world. As it seems, all secret societies have been outlawed under international law ever since, like, the Pope was like a mason and a water buffalo and three different things. I, I love it. Other things I, at once. I love. Yeah. Anyway, it's part <laughs> of like this is like it reminded me why I love Big Spartan. Very fun, very just sort of tossing things out here. That's that, I go, that, of I think course he was funny. a mason. Of course he was a part of this, like, yeah. uh, um, like effectively Illuminati flat earthers, etc. Yeah. So, um, including the dead MP, a couple other people were, were involved with this and going to turn Queen's evidence. The right. other witnesses are, and get ready for these joke <clears throat> names, Fox. I hope you're stoked. There's uh, Professor Ludwig von Gedemoff. Uh, Professor of Welsh Affairs Ivor Floozy, so... Scottish newspaper Baron Jock McRaker, like <sighs> Muckraker, and Rear Admiral William Winkle of the Fleet. And then we uh, uh, like cut to a uh, bathtub with a weird, yeah. disgusting man with boats. 
We see the gross admiral himself in a bathtub recreating the Battle of Scapa Flow, but he can't because he can't find his toy U-boat. And if, if I'll be damned if he doesn't smash a banana into the water. <laughs> in the fog of the bathroom, he can't see who's just entered in there. And while he thinks it's Butler, it's actually carry-on cast member Kenneth Williams with some kind of blunderbuss. Tiny blunderbuss, like a like a a, a, a hand. I don't yeah, know, like a I, pistol like, one. That, well, pistol it, version. I, I love it. I I want to imagine that it's like kind of a, a like almost a fist-sized stone in there. It's real yeah. cute. Blund, blunderbuss or whatever. Next time on Big <laughs> Spartan, tring tring. More like Fox did a, a, a blunder bust a gut. I'm gonna Not send funny. you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send you one of these carry on fo- films, Fox. So you can check well, it that'd out. Be basically, yeah, I mean, I've, just I've, get some. I've said before, like obviously, my grandmother's uh, kind of like uh, taste was tame, so it's like keeping up appearances. Last of the summer wine. You guys have all heard this before, but mm-hmm. Faulty Towers is something that I really enjoy, and uh, obviously, Flying Circus. But I haven't. I haven't actually watched a ton of uh, of UK comedy. So I, yeah, we gotta we gotta like I think. We got like we just got to do a thing and just sit down and, like watch like The Prisoner, which isn't comedy but still something you should see, and then check out uh, like one of these carry ons just to sort of like get immersed in what I, in these goddamn jokes. I mean, how bad do you want to <laughs> hurt yourself? Because we could watch the IT crowd if you wanted. I mean, I've watched, I've I've seen that one. I, I do not like it. It's fine. <laughs> that's that's accept. Listen, it's that that show's canceled, so it's good. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, me- of meeting a bunch of weirdos, though, Fox, let's go to Thrill 7, Nemesis, and Deadlock. Oh, boy. Deadlocked yeah. in some dope-ass comics. That's right. Script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art robot Carl Critchlow. Letting robot Steve Potter. Really takes this it away. One- yeah, definitely. This one's called the Enigmas Variations. Nemesis and Deadlock are back. They're rolled through the waste and Deadlock's sweet hover bike with Nemesis in the sidecar, which is amazing. <laughs> it is cute. I would call it cute. Totally. They arrive at a fortress in time for the Festival of Caligo, the grand convention of necromancers, magicians, and witches from across the galaxy. The <sighs> two warlocks go in and mingle, then head to the inner sanctum to get down to business. I like Everybody. that they, they mingle with, like, Kali, like... The yeah, no. Well, these of, are all of the ripped gods. Yeah, it, it's all the characters. And I'm about to just sort of describe them all. So I want to sort of get ahead of myself here. Um, they, but they all sort of sit in. A, they all sort of Jedi Council in a circle in fancy chairs here. Then introduce themselves. Besides, of course, our buddies Nemesis and Deadlock. There's uh, Alistair Strange, who is clearly Alistair Crowley in kind of black robes. So um, fucking cool. I yeah. Dork Logan Grimm, a big barbarian <laughs> dude with the spear of destiny, who's a real a real mix of like slain Conan and Elric, basically. I, I I mean, and he he is unabashedly like, yeah, my name's Dork. Yeah, what, what do you want to do about it? Yeah, I'm exa- obviously buff and will kill you. Come on, so rad, so rad. <laughs> There's Tantrika, queen of its temple of Stripugia, a blue goddess lady with four arms and a six-pack who's very into debauchery and so on. Be my Goro. Rip my head off while you rip my arms off, please. Yeah, come on. Machamp me. There's wow. uh, Clive, <laughs> Clive Cursor, a techno-pagan and goddamn uh, yuppie. 
Rasalka, so who's princess of the Silver Elves and just the sweetest little thing. She makes everyone else barf. There's finally Peo Oet, or, or Peoet, <clears throat> who's some kind of birdman who talks about commuting with the great old ones, but then suddenly stops because he senses an attacker. Everyone else does too, or claims they do, but uh, no one does any, but uh, nothing should be able to get through Nemesis's psychic shield unless someone invited it in. Ah, uh, snap. Is it guy with glasses or lady that makes people barf? Or is it bald guy who is clearly, he's the bad guy, he's the bad guy. I mean. How about a wing hat, buddy? Come on. <sighs> I mean, his name's Dork. There's no way that he's the bad one. I don't think I don't think bald guy is obviously the villain. I feel like if I have can make my assumptions on Pat Mills, I don't th- you know I don't think he'd have this Crowley stand-in be the villain versus maybe being a buffoon of some co- sort or something else. That's fair. He could he could be the patsy, but then in that case, the bird is the one that sensed everything. So I I mean I'd immediately distrust the bird. Also, oh, really? uh, uh, given given that chaos happens, I feel like they should just uh, immediately chaos, which is like everyone is bad and no one is trustworthy. But then they have long yeah. discussions about how then everyone is trustworthy because we don't think anyone is trustworthy. Mm. I mean, listen, <sighs> I again, that. I I forget how this one goes at this point, Fox. I want to. I want. I want. I want to give you my ranked cho- uh, choices of what's going to happen. Or Ooh, I like what's that going tier on. list. You're going to tier list it. So, so first choice is full on clue. Everybody is 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 responsible for this. <laughs> They're all I, oh. trying to take each other out. Conrad. Oh, that feels really. That feels right. Weirdly, middle, and actually, Maybe. I think that one's sort of my my third least likely, second or or, or third most likely, second least li- second most likely is it's actually the kid because that's real unusual. Mm. Yeah, and mo- most likely is that it's goddamn Nemesis because Nemesis is an asshole. We all know it. <laughs> wow, I mean, <sighs> strong. I, I would replace kid with bird just because, uh, like, what? Like, oh, I sensed something. And then everyone else starts sensing it. But I feel like that's just like if you're a chaos council. Yeah. You know, like the first person to say, oh, some chaos is happening. Then the next person is like, wait, I feel some chaos. See, that makes him a patsy. I also think that mm. um, the Alistair, Alistair Strange doesn't have any powers. That's why he says, oh, yes, I felt it, too, which is someone who's <laughs> just sort of bandwagoning along. <laughs> where, where like basically the accountant with glasses is the most evil person in the room. I mean, I wouldn't put it past a yuppie fox. I'll say that much. Ruined everything else for us, Conrad. <sighs> ruined everything else. <laughs> I was going to get ruined anyway. But yeah, those are, fair. those are my picks. So fair enough. Next time, the Enigma. So I already said that. All right. Hey, <coughs> speaking of um, ominous stuff going on, Fox. Uh, uh-oh. Speaking of people with complex jobs and rebooting themselves periodically, let's talk Thrill 8. Robo Hunter. Uh, he's back and he's back and he's back. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Jose Casanova, letting robot Tom Frame. Fuck this. Um, so after <laughs> being gone since 1985, Robo Hunter returns. Arts by Jose Castanovas, who will remember from, I think, mostly from, like, Max Normal stories and specials yeah. and annuals and stuff. That's what I mostly know him from. Oh, Max Normal. Yay. Yeah. Anyway, this one, it's written by up-and-comer Mark Miller, who we last saw in Silo. And I'll let you know, Fox. 
that going into this, if you asked him about it now, Mark Miller claims he'd never read any Robo Hunter before getting the job. Wasn't really into 2000 AD growing up. And I'd be inclined to believe it, but it seems like this is something that keeps happening to Miller. As uh, he tells a very similar story about how uh, when he started working on Ultimate X-Men, he hadn't read any X-Men before that either. Like He just keeps getting assigned to high-profile reboots of comics he hasn't written, buddy, I or mean, he hasn't read before. Maybe that might be true, but also, like, it, like isn't that what – like, that's, like, the minimum expectation, right? Uh, like, obviously an excuse. I'm not disagreeing with you there, obviously. Um, anyway. Ro- this is, it's, it's bad either way. It's bad both yeah. ways. Anyway, I feel like I poisoned the well for this one a little bit by telling you about that, Fox, but I'll also tell you that I fucking hate the Robo Hunter reboot. Anyway. I, I don't need another one if that's – like, I don't want another one. I mean, I think there's work to be done. I just think that um, there is some point missing in this one. Um but anyway, um, in a future city, a dude named Gaz, who's a robo-hunter, is investigating the death of Harry, another robo-hunter, who was killed by being jammed into a pretty grimy toilet. <laughs> I mean, he's going to he, point at this guy with a three on his arm and not the two on his arm because he knows who he can hassle. Mm. He tells the uh, not-quite-judge future cops off about all this, then climbs onto his sweet red motorcycle, puts in his head his Walkman headphones, and listens to the specials. <sighs> future Walkman he, headphones, thank you. Yeah, they got that look. He and Sam are the last robo-hunters left in the city. Meanwhile, Sam Slade, seemingly a classic young Slade, is investigating the sewers. It seems like... um. The city's become a bit of a danger zone since hackers created a virus that sends about half the city's robots insane, killing people. I mean, okay. He's been hired to take out a robot watchdog, not knowing that it is in fact gigantic. He dodges. Oh, good. Sorry. To to be clear, from what I remember from Robo Hunter, part Mm -hmm. of like how he made his cash, uh, like never alluded to a giant virus or anything it's just like sometimes it happened but also in the past there have been like you know more than just a few uh like they used to be a pretty big deal back when you needed them but then they turned into kind of sometimes you need them uh schlubs um yeah i think the previously we've seen the robots and robo hunter just sort of they they just kind of go feral now and then without really a lot of uh well, right. Explanation, or or they just or they just try to get free and like sort of escape to escape to robot freedom and stuff like that, as opposed to so that that's kind going of going kill crazy. Exactly, that's kind of the thing because like at least from what I remember, there was some stuff that happened in the past. He never like fucking mentions it, and no one fucking talks about it because the whole joke is like you hunt robots because they want freedom. Basically, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, we did see a little bit of flashbacks to like this big global war that was mostly fought by robots. That sort of Sam was like, you know, like the one human in a, in a squad or something like during that yeah, fighting. Yeah, and stuff. it's like it's it is mentioned in passing and sometimes brought up or it, whatever. Like basically, the past is like a it is a thing that is used sometimes to justify something going on right now, <laughs> right? And, and like, in the in comic. The pa- <laughs> okay you know what i hand the mic to you man that was fantastic <laughs> i mean you know do a lot of stuff like that's sort of the general thing buddy but yeah anyway fox 
giant wolf, giant dog robot. It's shooting fireballs and missiles at Sam and stuff yeah, like I mean, that. Sure. Bad times. He dodges around and eventually things are looking bad, but he's still pretty canny and goes in and pulls the dog's batteries out at the last minute, sending him falling off the side of a building into a big uh, flaming chasm. I mean, but he pulled the batteries out. Yeah, that's how you do it. You take it out. Uh, um, yeah. He gets paid and uh, sort of says that sorry about your dog to the dog's owners and heads out. I mean, but time seems to be rough for Robo Hunters. That's why he's got a moonlight as an ice cream man, and we see him drive off in a big hover ice cream truck. How can how can work be bad when there is a massive virus turning things evil, and you are the last two people who can hunt them? Question Maybe mark. it just got released, but it's a fair point for sure. <laughs> I yeah, it's like I I feel like business would be booming, baby, and he should be making jokes about that or whatever. Like, now we can buy the nice, uh, like, whatever, Psy Cuban cigars. Anyway. I think we will see Hoagie and Stogie next episode, as I recall. But we'll Wait, see. What? What? Next time on Robo Hunter, Cops and Kettles. But he's young. You know but what? Like, Actually, I don't care. <laughs> as, as you'll recall, like... Um, I, I don't, by the way. Farewell, I really my don't. billions. The big like Robo Hunters story sort of ended with Sam getting sort of youthed and losing all mm. of his money, so he had to get back into Robo Hunting and stuff. So theoretically, this could be continuing on from where we last saw Robo Hunter in '85 or something like that. But he's not smoking Stogie anymore. Doesn't not at this point. He just seems to be smoking a regular cigar. We'll see how it works out. Uh, it it doesn't matter. I'll 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 read it. Uh, he shot a robot. I I don't understand why old people would need a dog with a giant uh, slicing scorpion tail, but there you go. It was a gift. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, anyway, what kind, who gives that gift to to a couple of old people? Uh, I don't know. Got to keep them safe. It's, anyway, who's Fox, this speaking other kid? of anyway, sorry, please. Speaking of weird, complex futures, let's go to Thrill Nine Future Shocks. <sighs> Um. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah. not going to talk. One of them is literally like five or six pages. That's right. Yeah, the first one, Retribution, script about John Tomlinson, art about Robert uh, Arthur Ranson, letter about Steve Potter. Weird five pager here. We see a a soldier dying in an, in an exploded world, and a human named Douglas Ross wakes up. His eyes appear to have crossed shaped pupils. <sighs> He goes to work when a pair of mysterious figures in black sort of follow him and then arrive at his office. They've also got these cross eyes and reveal that Doug Ross is actually Feral Karn. <laughs> in a past life, uh, one of my, oh, so it's it, it's a past life of his, one of many, where he's been various alien warlords, religious uh. leaders, and whatever else. Every time sort of achieving fame, destroying things around him and dying tragically. These people are space cops. We're here to take him out and they use space magic on him, burn his body alive. And to sort of walk off the day is saved, attributing the death to spontaneously combustion. To spontaneous combustion, I should say. But that does seem a little easy, right? And it was because elsewhere a baby wakes up crying. It demands attention and has weird cross-shaped eyes. Like, I I get, like, uh, you're trying to make this short, 
um uh, like little vignette for for your comic book and you're like hey the dalai lama and reincarnation but what if it was if it was bad yeah um the inclusion of like he is an alien who's constantly reincarnating these are are cops yeah, space, from one alien re- species to another, basically. Who kind of, like, like, always know, kind of in a way, sometimes, and, like, here's all the history of all the times that he exploded people, and so we're going to stop him, but then he gets born again. Um, mm-hmm. So, there, there is a, a literal real thing that happened uh, about, uh, uh, like... Like, whatever. There, There's tons of reincarnation stories. None of them need three different, like, crazy-ass angles to make oh, that kinda, the truth. I mean, I mostly agree. I do think it, like, you know, they've, they've got sort of some, expo- some just some descriptions of, like, what he's done in the past and stuff like that. It I just mean, feels like page filler where it's, like... Uh, the guy dies, uh, like, just show a battle, show a, like, it, we're finally killing the last of the enemy, but then he dies, and then it's like, oh god, it, whatever, and then it reveals that he's this dude who genocides all the time, and now he's a baby yeah. on Earth, gonna do a genocide, oh, uh, baby Adolf, you know, whatever, you know? Ah, uh, I like it when they just sort of have it be a random thing as opposed to directly linked to historical stuff. But I don't know. Oh, of course, it's a fair sure, point. sure, Not sure. Great. I just mean Listen, like it felt like extra. I hate this. Anyway. Listen, I'm l- listen, Fox. I'm going to tell you that the real telling detail is that we've seen them burn off all of these future shocks, and this is the very last black and white future shock that they've done. You know, so it really says uh. how much they how much they rated it as well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> This is this is the this is the tiny fart at the end. Just uh, l- listen, we got to use all these things. Like we can't not use them. So here it is. I mean, you did pay for it, so exactly. Next story: Tree of Knowledge, script about Ian Simmons, art robot Simon Jacob, learning <laughs> about Steve Potter. Yeah, so we finally burned all these black and white future shocks. So here's just two in color. Um, still overrun though. This is Ian Simmons's only work in 2000 AD, besides a comic in the yearbook. Like his tree. On the planet Sapiens, everyone's really smart and happy, but they have a lust for knowledge, and they must know the secrets of the universe. To that end, they find the legend of a tree of wisdom, hold the whole civilization, then bends its will to finding that tree and getting to it as the rest of the planet goes to hell. Uh, their best and brightest board a ship to find the tree, leaving just as their sun goes nova. They travel for millennia, enduring hardships and, you know, sacrifices and so forth and so on, eventually trashing into the world of the tree, walking through a wasted world and finding the tree itself and asking the simple question of why. Oh, but they've taken so long to get there, the tree's gone senile. I've read Hitchhikers. We're good. Exactly. Next up, Rags to Riches, script robot Lawrence Miles, art robot Richard Elson, uh, letter robot <clears> Steve <throat> Potter. This is the last future shock until Prog 742, and oh, it is technically a time a twister. Hey, Fox, why don't time why don't time travelers come to our time? <sighs> Man, Conrad, our, our time kind of sucks, bro. Well, listen... The answer to that is that can be found on April 6th, 2276 at Wembley Stadium, where <laughs> Metamorphosis Hendrix is playing as part of a benefit. I- there's Basically, it looks like there's sanctions on the 20th and early 20th century, but man, the people there are dying, and that's not right. I love that this was Live Aid. 
Millions of people trapped in that time zone, unable to leave people like Stephen Rag. It's a regular dude who's become a symbol of the innocence trapped in the 20th century. Oh, Cordoned I forgot off. they just like put his head on the side of the stage. Yeah, cordoned off because the 20th century is a goddamn madhouse. They can't, they can't be trusted with future tech. You're going to let guys go to the past with fucking ray guns to sell to Hitler <laughs> or whatever? No way, buddy. Anyway, it's a crazy thing. And that's also why the aliens don't visit humans. Because <laughs> the whole thing. We did it. I like the idea of it, though. I like being stuck, stuck I mean, in a time embargo and there being people being like, no, man. We got to, like, help these people. And the government being like, no, man, we got to keep these guys split off. Come on. I feel like this is a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, There's a great series of of sci-fi novels. There's three of them written by a Chinese author called The Three-Body Problem. Three books. First one is The Three-Body Problem. Uh, At some point, a a very advanced civilization, uh, they show you kind of very... They become aware of a a different galaxy where... um, another civilization kind of like makes themselves known by doing something. Uh, and so they shoot what they call a piece of paper over to them and make their entire uh, like part of the galaxy two dimensional. Well, uh, and like nothing can, well, or, or like black hole it. There's kind of different choices, but basically you can't escape because they force a three dimensional space into a two dimensional object. Uh, and this kind of reminded me of that where it's just like, nah, man, we don't go back there. We don't. We don't deal with that shit. You know what it reminds me of, buddy? What's that? When I when I'm hanging out with three with with three of my friends, because then I have a three buddy problem. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Conrad. Sometimes it's a three pal problem. Thrill ten, Dow Demoto. <sighs> I put in this one after, like, in the mm. Future Shock section, oh, Fox, because it's a very similar role here. It is part of why we won't have a Future Shock <laughs> until 742, because oh. Dadamoto's very much sort of a one or two page comic that is going to be sort of pulling some page filling duties really? here. Because it's, it's not too bad. It's kind of got a three yeah. line. I mean, I'm not saying that it's. I'm not saying that as a judgment of its quality. I'm saying that of its sort of length and placement in the comic. Basically, no. I mean, I, I like I like that uh, concept because it feels like um, now or later. If that makes sense, it's yeah, sooner or later. Yeah, sooner it's also later. very. It's it's very similar to this story, uh, Straight Jacket Fits, that we're currently seeing in the uh, in the magazine as well. Cool. Or maybe we're maybe we're about to. I'm not clear on the. I forget the timeline at the top of my head, Fox. I'm unstuck in time as it comes to the relation between this show and Big Meg One. For the record, we're recording March right now. I'm about to record. I think freaking like October over there. It's a weird time. But um, are you in a time dilation? Do you need help? Yes. So um, <laughs> David Oyn has a, uh, or I think it's David Oyn, not David Hine. So I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. There's a pronunciation guide in an upcoming thing where it's O I N E. But um, Oyn's in a couple 2080 covers so far, but this is the first time he's been in the Prague. And um, this is the first time in the prog, definitely for Myra Hancock, who I think is maybe the third female writer in 2000 AD after Angie Kincaid and Hillary Robinson. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. Slain and then. Um, you know, all the Hillary sims. Robinson stuff. Your, mm-hmm. uh, your Zippy Couriers, Zippy your Courier, Medivac 318, you. your Tales from the Doghouse, mm-hmm. et cetera. 
tail from the dog houses. <laughs> anyway, we're in a very Asian future kind of thing, and there's a lady named Dow who's got some extreme eyebrows. I'm loving it. Look yeah, at those she eyebrows. Seems, it seems, she works as an exotic dancer or something, but her club just got shut down by the Incitement to Commit Crime Act. She's super bummed. She's got no work, no money. And they, she sort of talks to a bartender about the Incitement Act thing, but I'm not super clear on it. I don't know. Yeah, they're, kind of, they're talking sort of in vague, you know, I know. Yeah, if it, comes, if it comes back to being a, part, a big part of the story, then I'll figure it out more, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really matter as a very sharp dude named Dan Sopalco approaches Dow. The most a trade agent. widow's peak I've ever seen in my life. Extreme widow's peak. And he's got uh, – he's a trade agent with an offer for Miss Dow Tomoto. His client considers Dow to be a perfect candidate for a scheme that would offer her a hundred thousand euro dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of money. But what's the scheme? We'll find out next time in Baby Boom. I mean, they called it. Uh, are we? As- is Europe assimilating into the U.S. or is the U.S. assimilating into Europe? Or I guess they I mean, just- this seems like Europe and Asia, maybe. But they could just be in a like a Chinatown district or whatever town district of some European city or something. No, that's fair. Or maybe it's just like dollars, like sort of, yeah, euro bucks are sort of the big um, thing. And yeah, listen, euro dollars doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, taken it's in. It's just a regional currency. An American currency. Or it, it, like they could have regional money, but then euro dollars, that's like a big deal. Like, you know, like, listen. Oh, like, it's like, it's like Superman 3, Superman 4, where they just like pull up a giant continent in the middle of the Atlantic and they call it uh, Euro America. And so that's their that's their currency now. Anyway, oh, I'm not familiar with that one, buddy. Don't worry, I think it is it is not worth it to watch that Superman movie. I think it might be a it might be a little bit more like I don't know if you've been like I feel like I've had this in like Mexico or something where you know there is a local currency, you know the peso or whatever, but they would prefer you to pay in American dollars because oh, I, like maybe I lived, that's a more stable currency or I, something like that. I lived in Cyprus, man, and uh, they will charge you in lira, uh, but happily take the same number that they show you if you give them euro, which is not a good exchange. <laughs> When you're on the, well, yeah, the this, occupied side, I mean. but this might be more like like that, like it's like a it's it's a, it's like a bigger currency than oh, than normal, so they want it more or something yeah, no, like that's, that. I'm that's thinking exactly what I mean, like the, the like in a in a James Bond. I I I, I remember a couple of the, of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies mm. where they deal with a with a Russian rough, Russian mafia types. And they basically say, like, oh, yes, we'll pay you in rubles. Like, no, American hard currency. Like, that's like, you know, the money they, they prefer to work in or whatever. When anyone, anyway. says, when anyone says hard currency, I, I really what they mean is uh, uh, it's made of stone. Or just dollar dollar bills, y'all. Stone cold dollars. Fox, Ooh. I have a question for you, my friend. Oh. Uh, and it's now that we finish these progs. What are your top and bottom thrills? Man, I'm going to tell you. Uh, what my top and bottom thrills are. That's what I'm asking. You know what I'm going to say? I am going to tell you right now that that uh, Dune is my absolute top. Nice. Uh, I, I love where it's going. I like what it's doing. 
uh, I like that that the conversation we had about it. I like that it's it is keeping noir while being. I mean, it's it's saying all the right things to me. If you grab a mayor by the face and then double shotgun him to the chest after taking all of the money that he embezzled and redistributing it, I would have done it a better way. Uh, probably not through rebates, <laughs> uh, but I love it. Uh, and just kind of like where it's going is really rad. I I just love that it's black and white. I love that his like like how his his speech bubbles are different which i think gives credence to you with like the kind of dr jekyll uh and mr hyde sort of feel that that has that potential but i don't mm-hmm. want to i don't want to lessen sort of uh, what's going on in judge Dredd. really good stuff i especially want to um as i scroll back through i want to give a shout out to uh george coleman like i really loved the driller killer Art oh, nice. It was really yeah. beautiful, like uh, super great. And they, they gave a lot of space for it. Um, I mean, it wasn't a super deep story or anything, but uh, that was rad. Uh, my dude, for my bottom, I feel like this won't come as a surprise, but it's a rogue trooper. Um, just not super stoked on it, man. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not a lot going on. It like started so strong when it came back and uh, uh, like so far, like, I mean, a half nude man floating on a on a flesh palette should make me really stoked. Um, and that's not enough. And, and uh, neither bomb. are oranges with blades on them or, or a fucking memory disc that you throw at somebody. But <laughs> at any rate, uh, that's my that's top fair. and bottom. And, and uh, Conrad, I'm being highly mm. critical. I'm, I'm telling you what I want, what I believe, but you know what's real rude? I haven't asked you what you want, and I will ask you. Everyone wants to know. Top, bottom, thrills. Ooh, transition month this month, you know? Like, mm. we kind of had sort of two different sets of thrills here, just sort of with the pre-723 and then the 723 stuff. Um, I'm tempted to say Dread is my top, I think. I liked a couple of these dread stories. Um, like I liked the end of uh, Death Aid. You know, I thought Driller Killer was was kind of fun, and I did like this one where people are getting rehomed and stuff like that. Um, and I'm interested in this in the in the sec- in the stuff with uh, Bill Bailey as well. So I think that might be my top. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I I will say that the ending for for Death Aid was rad. I wish it had come when it was intended to, if that makes sense. Yeah, the gap in there was a little was was kind of a bummer for sure. But I mean, it, it's a good call because it is a um, it is a fun thrill this month. Yeah, and then um, I definitely you know I like Brigand Doom. I thought that was pretty good. I'm okay with Rogue Trooper. I mean, I think okay. this is we've sort of seen the difference. I uh, I, I I think Willie Russell in the 2000 Megaverse um, Facebook group kind of talked like like mentioned this actually, which is that. We're seeing kind of the transition from like, have you ever seen a TV show where they have like the show premieres with like a two hour movie basically? Oh. And then it go or like, or like there's a movie and then it gets made into a TV show right away or something like that? Yeah, it's like not that. like a two parter. It's like a, I, it, it was more popular kind of like late 90s. I yeah, feel no, like. not, not a big deal anymore. But basically that's what, that's what Rogue Trooper kind of feels like where, 
or Friday feels like I should say, where mm. we sort of premiered with this big like motion picture event version of the Made character, for TV you know, kind of movie written written by Dave Gibbons, art by Will Simpson. This big prestige, you know, they they had the credit card at the start and stuff like that, and they're really trying to make a big deal of here's this big um, monumental like change in this character. It's very we're, we're putting a lot of resources into into this premiere of it. But after that, now we're sort of in the day-to-day episodes of it. It's not the premiere event. It's just sort of here's a show that's on once a week for the next couple next couple months, basically. You know, yeah, so they, they sold the pilot, but they couldn't uh, keep the production quality up in a way. Yeah. So now they've got Fleischer writing it. Now they've got Ron Smith on art. Nothing against Ron Smith. He's good. He's just like I don't think he's Will Simpson. It was just sort of a, just a, you know how life is. Um, and so yeah, but so it just feels like you know this is sort of rogue trooper downshifting into what the actual series is going to be like and it's not as good as war machine but you know it's moderate i don't think it's the worst thing but i do think that it is a mid a middle packer at at, at best this is a this is a c tier um, um mm. thrill mm. you know i, I mean like, I'm, like, I'm definitely not like saying it's itself the worst for so many years read, but it's uh, you know not enjoyable all the way through, I guess. Yeah. Comparatively. For, for my bottom, uh, Robo Hunter, buddy. Robo Hunter <laughs> taking the place of Harlem Heroes as the reboot that I hate and will stay in the bottom unless something else is real bad or it somehow redeems itself, which I'm not anticipating. Man, I, I like that you've you've got your whipping boy prepared, which means that uh, I need to mem- mentally prepare myself. Um, but I'll throw I you mean, one. I'll throw you one curveball, Conrad. Yeah. What do you think of Indigo Prime? Like where where what we read this month? I like. I mean, like I said when we talked about it, I really I like that that's that that the story we read felt very coherent and <laughs> and like well reasoned and stuff. I love that. That's that is a a literal compliment. I agree. Well, I'll say that like I've enjoyed like like I've wanted to enjoy all of this Absolutely. Indigo Prime stuff that we've read. Absolutely. I've really been like, whoa, there's some crazy stuff going on here. <laughs> I really want to like it, but I'm just having problems. Like I think we, I've said several times that I've had problems figuring Following out what the anything. hell's going on. Yeah. So yeah, so I think this one where I can follow what's going on is really is has the good stuff that I've enjoyed from these stories in the past, you know? Yeah, I think so. I, I also I, I like her as a character, I guess. I just uh, yeah. Anyway, it, that one was surprising to me because oh, um, it didn't feel like a throwaway, but it was treated like one, which I thought was anyway. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I mean, I don't know. I I, I feel like especially maybe not here, but in like the annuals and specials, I felt like I've I've seen John Smith um, develop a little bit as a writer. And stuff oh, that's cool. Like that. So I am really hopeful for uh, Killing Time, which is the next Nico Prime thing, which is coming up pretty soon. Like I would say that's something actually in this 1991 period that I'm most excited for, I think. And it's coming very soon, maybe an episode or two away. All right. Rad. I mean, if it's Definitely. more of that, I'm pretty stoked. It's going to be something. I don't really want to tell, you know, Ooh. it's going to be a good, I, I, I think it's going to be good. I've, you know, everybody likes it and I haven't, I haven't actually gotten to it in my reread yet. I've been real slow on my reread, but I'm hoping that I'll get there and then we'll be able to read this stuff and be really happy about it. So anyway, I hope awesome. everybody enjoyed the show. 
As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Tish, or the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our <coughs> podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com with 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look up at Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Greens, Zane Kipmiller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the Meg, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. They meander. They are fun. Come yeah, I mean, join us. listen. I th- if you, if you're paying money to hear me, the two of us talk, Fox. I really think that you just want us to be as as all over the place and just have as much fun, sort of talking to each other as 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 we can. That's hey, been, we're bros, buddy. Yeah, that's been my guiding influence as the host of that show, and I think it's been working out. Lovely. So, Come back next time as Bix carries on, Daudamoto negotiates, Dredd begins his journey to the Emerald Isle, the mystery continues the nemesis in deadlock, Sam Slade's in trouble, and so are we, because Junker returns. Oh, oh no, 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 Conrad, no. Oh yeah, ha ha, until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid. Splendid. Splendid.